although naturally neither had opted to declare that in the questionnaire, for fear of seeming desperate. It was something they both confessed after a few drinks, much, much later, on their third date. It was refreshing, too, that they could offer up the aspects of their life that each thought most relevant, not dig up and cling to the tenuous links between friends or shared work experiences. Carrie was secretly delighted that Mark seemed to share her own rootlessness, Part of her background she'd found almost embarrassing to admit to family-centric friends who reacted to her self-contained life with something approaching pity. Half American, half English, not many friends in London, Carrie didn't have a home. Home was somewhere she'd have to make for herself. And though the way they met was very modern, their courtship was really quite old-fashioned. It took weeks of emailing before Carrie and Mark allowed themselves to arrange a proper meeting, not least because their flirty emails set such high expectations. Though she wouldn't have admitted it, Carrie had fancied Mark from his first witty, well-punctuated email. He had a casual, easy way of writing that made her feel as if she'd known him for years, and the intimacy of email let them punt questions back and forth in a way that would have felt far too cheesy in some wine bar. "'Who would play you in a film of your life?' she'd asked in an early late-night exchange. "'John Cusack,' he'd replied straight away. "'You?' Carrie had thought carefully, not wanting to disappoint him when they met. "'Drew Barrymore,' she replied, "'but not in Charlie's Angels, in something with less makeup, one of those character roles.' "'And when they finally did meet,' Carrie wondered if he hadn't done himself an injustice. Mark was the best-looking IT geek she'd ever seen. Short, dark hair, bright blue eyes, half hidden by the regulation Clarkenwell IT dark-framed glasses everyone seemed to wear. He looked younger than thirty-four, in a long-sleeved T-shirt and subtle jeans, comfortable in himself, and confident in a way she'd always envied in other people. "'Hey, Drew.' he'd said, throwing his hands up into a Charlie's Angels gum pose. You're prettier than you look on screen. Mark wasn't just funny when he could type his anecdotes, and Carrie loved the nerves beneath his coolly delivered stories. The hand in his hair, the quick glances to see if she was looking. Whatever she felt, she could tell he was feeling exactly the same, an intuitive connection she'd never had before. He confessed he'd been worried that after their easy online conversations there'd be no real-life chemistry, but there was more than enough chemistry to get them thrown out of the cab on the way back to his flat, where they talked for nineteen hours on and off, and when Carrie finally left, dazed and sore and completely in love, Mark ran after her to bring her back. After that, Mark and Carrie saw each other every day. Without the traditional barriers of mutual friends to cause politics or office romance limitations, there didn't seem much point in following the normal route of testing the relationship to breaking point with DIY and Christmases before getting engaged, so they didn't bother waiting. "'I don't want to waste any more time,' said Mark, going down on one knee in the Starbucks by Smithfield Market, ignoring the stares from other IT geeks. "'You're perfect,' The computer has spoken. I don't argue with computer authority. Let's get married. Ninety-two days after opening his first email, Carrie became Mrs. Mark Armstrong. 
Two and a half years later, she still didn't share Mark's love of technology, but she was eternally grateful to it for finding her a man who ticked pretty much every logical box she could think of, and still fitted in with the psychic's predictions. That had to be fate. Mark was already packing his laptop bag when Carrie came into the kitchen three days after Boxing Day. He was fitting his daily needs into the padded slots with the practised air of a bomb disposal expert. iPod, phone, laptop, an assortment of leads and plugs. Carrie didn't know what they did, but according to Mark, they could induce spontaneous outbreaks of grateful weeping. It might have been the dead time between Christmas and New Year, but Mark's phone never stopped ringing with new office crises to soothe and smooth over. His expertise was one of the sexiest things about him, Carrie thought. She looked at him through sleepy eyes and wondered how she'd managed to end up with someone who could program any electronic device.